Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. I grew up hunting coons with my grandfather. He hunted uh, most of his life, and I'm going to say probably when I was around middle school, yeah, middle school age. I had a cousin, and me and him would spend all of our weekends down there with uh, our grandpa running coons, and we had a blast doing it. What kind of dog did you run? So yeah, he he always had blue dogs when okay. we were around him. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was, you know, a young man, and before we were around, he he had a bunch of walkers and i think i saw but, a picture of you uh at one point you were on the cover of bloodlines weren't you we were that's that cousin i spoke of that was him as well me and him um our parents had had that that picture professionally taken from a local photographer nice and and they sent it in. You know the bloodlines did like a, uh, it was like a youth issue, mm-hmm. and they sent that in. And luck would have it that they chose our picture. <laughs> and uh, they, but anyway, my our our parents had done that kind of as a gift uh, to my grandfather. Yeah. I forget exactly what it was. Uh, and he got the biggest kick out of that. And, of course, you know, we was young, and we thought, man, that's some cool stuff there. Oh, but, yeah, definitely. So it's funny now. I like to laugh about it. But, yeah, we were. So you grew up running coon dogs. Now, was that in Kansas, or did you live somewhere else? No, nope, you're right. It was in Kansas. Okay. Um, I, I grew up in a little town called Oxford. It's uh, about... 45 minutes south of Wichita. Okay. There's there's enough trees out there? <laughs> Surprisingly, we have a lot of trees out here where I live. It's mainly uh, farm country. Okay. Uh, not, so much, not so much ranch land and pasture right in um, my exact area. But okay. If you, you know, if you go 30 minutes about in, well, mainly east, you run into the Flint Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bunch of big grass, you know, but of course it's got a bunch of cattle over it. It's not a lot of trees in places. But. Yep. Now, I, I've never been that far west, but I have a couple of ants that live, well, one still lives in Nebraska and one used to live out there. And then I also have a friend that lives in South Dakota. So I've seen a few pictures mm-hmm. about there and <laughs> it doesn't look like there's many trees. I know. The, the further west you go, I mean, western Kansas, man, it gets flat and, uh, yeah, there's some pretty wide open spaces out there, but kind of south central Kansas mm-hmm. is where I'm located, okay. and a lot of farm ground. Uh, all you know, all the row crops. Okay. Um, they they do grow a lot of cotton now hmm. in our area. Um, but we have a the Arkansas River, um, is right by Oxford, and. You know, just a bunch of little creeks and gotcha. little patches, little patches of timber. No, you know, no big patches of timber mm-hmm. anywhere. It's all I would call it 
respect to the country. You yeah. know, there's a, there's a mile road everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then also just knowing that you're, uh, you like running coyotes, especially with sight hounds. That's one, another reason I figured there wasn't a ton of trees. You're right. The trees make it harder. Um, mm-hmm. But, and that's part of the reason we use, see, I use, I'll use trail hounds along with the site. Um, How's that work? And that's part of, yeah, it, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's great because it's the best of both worlds. Those mm-hmm. trail hounds, obviously, they can, uh, you can precast them, and that's a big part of what we do is we'll just precast those trail dogs uh, down a hedgerow or down a waterway and you know, with the Garmin technology nowadays, it'll tell you when they're barking, mm-hmm. and uh, that's made it really nice. I mean, if we didn't have the Garmin and everything like that, it would be pretty difficult to to run the trailhounds, obviously. Now, what do they do? Basically just run it, get it started, and get it jumped, and then once you get it jumped, you turn your uh, sighthounds loose? You're right. Okay. So the trailhounds, they'll get it going, and then... You know, we keep up with them on the Garmin's, and we just try to, you know, we try to see what direction they're favoring and get in front of them. And, if, you know, if they're, run, if they're running the track good enough to put some pressure on that coyote, then he'll sh- he has to show himself at some point. You know, they like to cross roads around here. Like, when they go from one section to the next section, they'll cross the road a lot of times. Yeah. And that's, that's where we'll try and get those sight hands put eyes on them. And most of the fight hounds have eyes on them. You know, within reason, they don't make any really long. You know, you can't give that coyote a big head start. Even on them sight dogs, they they run really fast. Um, but that those coyotes, are, they're so much more savvy with cover, and you know, they're just survivors. They know how oh, yeah. to. Well, you're, <laughs> you're you're turning loose on them in their backyard, so they know where where to go. Exactly. Now, for trail hounds and sight hounds, what are you running? So for the trail hounds, um, I've got three right now. Um, they came out of Oklahoma. A guy I know named Jimmy Lewis had bred two of them, and another one came from, um, I got him. There's a coyote pen where fellas will, you know, they'll train pups in. Mm-hmm. And there was an old man who owned a pen named Paul Roy uh, up at Gardner, Kansas. And I had it. He sold me an old dog several years ago, and I still got him. Okay. So I've got those three trail hounds. My grandfather that I talked about earlier, he's still kind of, uh, he loves it, of course, but his age is caught up with him to where he doesn't do as much coon hunting as he used to. He still has a blue dog that will cheer him, no doubt. But That's pretty cool. He, uh, it is cool. I mean, he's, he, he's in really good health uh, for his age. He mm-hmm. just, He's getting up there, so so you know the walking all night and stuff like that is kind of wears on him. But he still goes. But anyway, anyway, where I was headed was he. We bought him a two litter mate pup. Oh, I think two years ago. Okay. To run to run with us, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got one that's making a real nice time for us. So I guess that you know we mainly run. Uh, four trail hounds, three or four. That's mm-hmm. plenty enough to get a coyote jump and put a little pressure on him. Now, are those all running walkers, or do you like Julys or Trigs or something else or a combination? I'll be honest with you. I'm 
I'm new enough to okay. the breeding of, of those that I I don't know. Um, but you know, the paper side of it, I'm definitely uh, I have a lot of learning to do about <laughs> certain breeding and and certain bloodlines and this and that. But well, even with the fox dog, fox and coyote dogs, I see I've, I'm in a few Facebook groups and I see like papers and with like the hunting horn and stuff. They can be a crossed up dog and be papered and for sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, that old dog I mentioned that I bought from that old man that owned the coyote pen, he did have papers. And I, I think he was more running walker than anything. Okay. But I think there was some July mixed in there on his papers. Mm-hmm. And the, the other dogs that I had got uh, from Jimmy, he, he, I believe he said that they could have been enrolled. And if I wanted the papers, you know, that he would give them to me. But I wasn't honestly too sharp with how all that stuff works. And I just wanted to chase coyotes, you know. So I wasn't wasn't too worried about the paper side of it. But everybody that I've heard in in this area that's ran good trail hound side of it, they all talk about uh, frozen dogs. Krogan bred dogs. I think his name was Bill Krogan. Uh-huh. He was uh, he was from Kansas. Okay. I forget exactly where. I think it was North Central Kansas. And he this this man he's dead now. I believe that he uh, he had more July dogs. I think, but he's kind of well known for breeding dogs that would. Not just run a coyote really well, but they fight really hard too. Okay, yeah, no, I've I've definitely heard the name. I mean, I'm not real well versed in the coyote hound world, but I've definitely heard the name. So yeah, I have those hounds, and then we typically with the sight dogs, we we definitely don't know any type of breeding that goes too far back. It's you know because none of those dogs have papers or anything. Gotcha. Um. A lot of hearsay, a lot of dogs, you know, that you've heard good things about from mm-hmm. from, from other hunters. And, or they had a real standout uh, female or a real standout male that they liked. And, you know, you try to get a pup from, from a proven cross, you know, and mm-hmm. go from there. Do you, but, just, do you just refer to those as, like, staghounds? Or... I do. That's kind of what I've heard. Yep. Staghound is what I call them. I don't have any preference what they look like as long as they <laughs> hairy, slick hair. I don't care. I still chase a coyote and try to go about it the right way, you know, and have a good temperament. Uh, How big do your dogs run? They're like the sighthounds. Like what are the their sizes? Yeah. Um, they can vary a lot. Uh, you know, there's some that are probably close to ninety hundred pounds, mm-hmm. and then some some females that are probably just around sixty. Gotcha. I just wasn't sure if they were more if they were more greyhound sized or if they were more like wolfhound sized or something. It's it's fifty fifty really. Okay. I've got some little dogs out there that look more like a a track greyhound, and and then I've got some that look like a big old hairy. Deerhound or wolfhound, you know, that mm-hmm. had some kind of hairy dog cross back in there somewhere. Like you said, as long as they catch coyotes. <laughs> That's my opinion on it. Um, 
you know, I, I do like a good looking dog. Don't get me wrong, but I, I could put up with a lot of different looks if they <laughs> have the same goal, you know? <laughs> yeah. My wife gives me a hard time. She's like, I swear you like the ugliest dogs in the world. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, every dog you bring home is ugly. I'm like, I completely disagree. I'm like, I think they're good looking dogs. And she's like, no. <laughs> oh yeah. You gotta have some character. My wife, she she gets attached to these sighthounds. She really does. Mm-hmm. She, uh, it's it's funny, you know they they're pretty an aggressive, you know, dog. Obviously, when they're hunting, but they're such a real personable dog around the house and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I've got an old a female right now that just she lives under my porch in my yard, and she and then they can or nothing, and she lives right along with a house cat and we've got two mini dogs as well. Hmm. She don't, you know, she don't bother them. That's pretty cool that she's just that laid back. It is. It, it is nice to have them when they, you know, they're, they're friendly like that in general. Mm-hmm. So these old hound dogs, they've, they've definitely inspired you is from what I can see. And I want to get into the real reason I really wanted to have you on. Actually, before we even get into that, we didn't introduce you. So today my guest is Luke Hauser. Luke has, what's your Instagram? Uh, it would be Hauser, H-O-U-S-E-R, Steel, and Silver. Yes. And I've followed you for a little while now, and I have just been blown away by all of the different, you're, you're not only a master of like one type of artwork, you're a master of like everything you put your hand to, So, <laughs> which is like everything. Um, so for people that have not not seen his Instagram, he can draw. You do a lot of like silversmith engraving, welding, leather work. What am I missing? I mean, that's about it. Okay. I just call them my hobbies, you know. But... Well, they're they're more than hobbies. Like like I said, for anybody that's never seen his work, he's a master of all this stuff. He's very humble because I was like, you need to be selling this stuff. And he's like, I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it is. It, I'm still new to it all. Um, and the goal is to get to where I am pretty busy with all that stuff, you know. But where I'm at right now, I'm cool with just learning some things and, and getting better. But the the welding side of it has probably been, I mean, that's what I do for a day job. I'm okay. a, a TIG welder uh, for an aviation company. We work on heat. It's really just the engine, so we work on T seven hundred helicopters that would go in like a black box helicopter. Cool. Some some precision work. It is. It is. Uh it's kinda where I got my start and kinda my love for just working with metal would be Okay. And and it was an odd story there. I I I worked at a place well, I'd went to school for I'd went to college for uh, Non-destructive testing is what I was wanting to get a degree in. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, no. it's it's just a form of testing that a lot of aerospace and critical, you know, applications would would use to okay. uh, to test parts for cracks, for defects, or anything of, of that nature. Okay. So that was what I went to school for, and I got a job out of out of college uh, through a friend. And he was a welder. I had never welded in my life. Uh, you know, maybe a stick weld here or there when I was a kid. 
my grandpa's or something, but no real well-being at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought it was cool. So, I mean, how precise the signals were and what, you know, what all you could fix with it. And I didn't have a real, like, reason. I didn't have a need for it because, uh, you know, I didn't have any equipment or anything like that. I was just a young kid, but I just asked him one day if I could learn it, and he's like, go for it. So I just sat down, and, I mean, I, I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd watch uh, anything I could get my hands on about welding. So I'm the self-taught welder, wow. and I think that was that was in 2000. And, I'm going to say I bought my first welder in 2010. Wow. For being self-taught, so that's I, pretty crazy. So I haven't been doing it for a real long time, but of all the things that I do kind of dabble in, that, that has been the longest so mm-hmm. far. And yeah, I just I took off with the welding, really liked it, and I worked several jobs pig welding. Mm-hmm and ended up where I am now but anyway then I had gathered a lot of tools kind of in that in that time frame definitely you know related to the metalworking and it's kind of turned into what some of the silversmithing and engraving work that that I'm trying to do more of now Mm -hmm. no it's you've got an incredible eye for detail which is what really stands out to me there's a lot of good artists out there, but what sets a good artist from a great artist is that that attention to detail, and that's what really caught my eye when I was when I saw your work. It yeah, it's what caught my eye when I was trying to learn it as well. There's a couple other gals that I follow on Instagram that are just phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, artists of, of hunting dogs named Emily Greathead and. Jamie Carmody, mm-hmm. I believe is her name. I think and I followed the, both of them, and I would agree that they do some incredible stuff too. They do, and and obviously, I mean they're they're like professionals and spend a lot of time and have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it was it caught my eye because of the you know they were called hunting dogs, so I was you know I'd never seen anything like that. Um, uh, it was a, you know, a hound dog, or mm-hmm. I think Emily had drawn some sight dogs, and I was, it kind of blew me away. I was like, man, I've never, never didn't know nobody would draw just some country old hound dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, we don't tend to get a, represented in a lot of modern art. Right, right. So it, it caught my eye, and my, I don't know, I just, I see things like that, and I immediately just I think, man, could I do that? And I met, I remember, I mean, this is probably just four or five months ago, six months maybe. I, I messaged Emily and I said, Hey, like, how do you, what kind of pencils do you use and, and paper and how do you go about that? And she was real helpful. She said, she told me the kind of pencils she used and gave me some pointers here and there. That's awesome. So that was, she was, you know, she didn't have to help me, but she was being real friendly, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And it was kind of, it kind of just worked out. I didn't know 
that I was an artist or <laughs> had a knack a knack for it. You know, I just I'm kind of bad about I see something I think it's cool and I want to try it. You know, if you just picked drawing up four or five months ago, and that's the one picture of that. I don't know if it was a blue tick or an English hound, and that picture is absolutely incredible. Part of that too is it was a great photo mm-hmm. that. I felt like I had, like, I, I took some photography classes at one point. So I th- I try to think that I have a decent eye for a good photo. And yeah. I saw that I saw that photo, and I asked that fella, um, he lives in British Columbia, if I could draw that. And cause it was just a really high-quality high photo of the mm-hmm. town. And, and he's like, well, give it a shot. So that was kind of all that went down with that, but I was I was pleased with how that came out. It 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 did look really nice. Yeah. How long did that take you? It was I never kept the exact time, but it was it was over twenty hours. Okay. And it's definitely a time consuming process then. That's the worst part about it. Um with the colored pencils you can get all that detail. And all that fine detail of every little fur or every little color color change, um, but you kind of pay the price when it comes to the time that it takes. Because yeah, even towards the end of that one, it was kind of dragging on. And <laughs> you know. you know, I like to see it come together, no doubt. But at a certain point, I kind of I remember thinking, like, man, this is a chore, but. It was all worth it when it was done. I mm-hmm. sent it to the guy, and he he really loved it. He he made a little video of him opening it, and yeah, it was really rewarding, you know. Yeah, nice. No, it it was incredible. But like I said, that's not even that's not even just the start of what you do. You you've <laughs> done this amazing drawing that, like I said, really caught my eye. But then you do all this silversmithing and engraving. You make all kinds of different things. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, the buckles are what really caught my eye when you when you made a buckle. You made a couple with hounds. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The, uh, yeah, that, the buckle with that blue tick on it, that was one of my first projects, kind of hound-related uh, with, with Silversmith stuff. But mm-hmm. Similar story, um, Outer Agenda Artwork on Instagram. He had made that logo for another Instagram user named Beth Pound Dog. Yep. Both really nice guys that um Derek and Jerry, yep. yeah, really nice guys, really talented uh, artist in his own right. And he uh, of course I, I asked him if I could do something with that logo and they both said of course. So you know, I didn't I didn't have anything in mind. It was just another one of those Let's just see what we can do here, kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. I thought it turned out pretty, pretty, you know, a good starter project. Uh, starter project. You're very, you're very humble and modest here. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, it all I, is. I've spent so little time at it. I don't want to. I don't want to come off like I'm any better than I am. Cause well, believe me, like there, said, there are. You've got a knack for it, then. I yeah, I would agree with you there. I do have a knack for it, and and I made that buckle. Can't remember if I made another. Oh yeah, um, James 
Van Van Geisgaard, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. He uh, he four hounds. I made a cool buckle for him. Yep. That uh, of a tree line, uh, and that one was really cool. That's one of my favorites. Kind of, it was one of my first ones to 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 blue it to hot blue it, and mm-hmm. that was a new process for me. And it turned out really nice. I thought, and he was happy with it. And I think that's actually of, how I found you. Was that buckle? Okay, it says P four on it, mm-hmm. and and with a slash in the middle. It's just a it's a cool looking brand, and it is. And then of course the hound and the lion up on top of it. But, it turned out really cool, I thought, and he was happy, and so that was another great deal. And I mean, you name it, I'm if if it can be engraved, I'm kind of game for it. Like I, I'm just at the point where if it's metal, I'll try to engrave <laughs> something on it just for fun, you know. Now, what all else have you done? I mean, I've seen a few things on your Instagram, but I'm sure you've probably done more than just the few pictures you put up. Recently, uh, is, I'm kind of focused more on making some stuff for the the rig welders and pipeline welders. Those guys kind of have a their own sense of stuff they like and style with all their helmets and their gear and everything. And I've kind of been pushing stuff that's personalized and customized okay. for their their stuff. Like you know, I mean, it can be anything from a little knob on their on the welding hood that I put an initial on and I put a brand on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've been spending a lot of time on lately. Okay. Do you do uh, any sort of blacksmithing as well? That is something I've never messed with. Okay. My grandpa that I spoke of, he was a, he, he was a horseshoer. That's what he did for his living. Mm-hmm. But he would always uh, beat horseshoes that were cold. Like he never... He'd always laugh and he'd tell me that it was pointless to beat a red hot horseshoe. He said they make them nowadays that you just beat them cold. <laughs> so he never had no forge and he, and you know, he was kind of a modern horseshoe, I guess. Uh, but so I never kind of dabbled into that blacksmithing side of it. I have, I guess I've made a few knives. That's what made me wonder because uh, I saw a picture of a, a couple knives. That you'd made, right, so. and that, and how that came about was through him. He he had some old worn out horseshoeing rafts, and, mm-hmm. and of course they didn't make a good blank. Uh, so I didn't do any forging or anything on that. Basically, okay. all you do on that on that would be, you know, cut out a rough profile and then make your handles and everything, and of course do your grinding and get the grind that you want. But I'm pretty. I, I'm not. I haven't dabbled with the knife side of things too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I love knives. I love pocket knives. I love big blade knives. You name it. Um, I kind of collect pocket knives actually. But cool. I just, I, as far as making it myself, I haven't messed with it anymore. Gotcha. Well, your love of knives also shows in the fact that you make sheaths and also for like pocket knives and uh, fixed blade knives and. You're right. I did, and that, and that was the same around the same time that I was making that knife out of that wrap. I made that cheese. Um, my leather work is is pretty basic compared to today's 
you know, all the professional leather workers, but I can dang sure make a, a sheath very nice. And I don't have a sewing machine or anything, so I did. I taught myself how to saddle this by hand and everything. Okay. But so you're definitely more into the the metal side of things. Now, yeah, there was one time where I thought, you know, because people get so artistic with leather as well, and just yeah. phenomenal artists. But I thought, man, I need to, I need to get into that more and more. And I just never, it, it just didn't work out. I never did, and I don't know. Maybe I wasn't quite as talented at that as I was the metal stuff. So it kind of never stuck with the leather. Um, and then I, and then around that time, I think this is really only, I'm going to say last October was when I started engraving. And That's it. Yeah, I, I haven't been doing it a long time at all. Dang, you, you could have fooled me by a long shot because I would have assumed that you'd been engraving for years. Yeah, it it was just uh, another one of my welding-type deals where I said, hey, I want to try welding. I just did the same thing. I said, I want to give it a go, and I bought, I bought all the stuff you need, and you'd be surprised what you can learn on the Internet. <laughs> Well, as much as the internet can teach you, like I said before, you obviously have an eye and just natural ability because the way you've picked up so many different things through the years and become very proficient very quickly, you know, most people can't do that. Yeah, I'm sure some of the artistic side of it, you know, it's just how you are, I'm sure. So I agree with you on that. It, uh, as a kid, I was, you know, I was always drawing something. I never really built too many things. I was always building forts and crap, but, you know, it, I'm sure it, it definitely helps mm. in the stuff I do now. Definitely. Now, like I said, that's why I really wanted to have you on because, like, I've just been blown away by the different things you've done. And, you know, there's not a lot of people that are drawing drawing inspiration from the hound world. And so while you can find great artists out there in, in silversmithing and artists and drawings and portraits and stuff, somebody that is a houndsman that is then incorporating that into their artwork, I just thought that was pretty cool. And Yeah, I agree. You're right. It, it's, not, it's not the most common thing. Mm-hmm. And even the, the ladies I mentioned earlier, uh, Jamie and Emily, they, I believe they're located in the UK, and I think Danny's in Australia. Yeah. And there's there's not a lot of people in the United States that I've found that do any kind of, you know, hound related artwork. There, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Hansler is a painter. Mm-hmm. I think somewhere in she's Georgia. In okay. Oh, is she? Okay. <laughs> yep. Dang it. Okay. Well, she's really good too. Very talented, and she does do a lot of hound. She does. Uh, pound, pound uh, but even but you yeah. said Jamie and uh, Emily, a, a lot of what they do is more bird dogs and terriers and stuff like that. Hounds are not a huge portion of what they do. I mean, it's hunting dogs, but it's not hounds per se for the most part. Correct. Yeah, a lot of stuff that you know is more common to, to where they live. Yeah. Um, she had, like I said, she had drawn 
several pictures of the site, so I that was what originally caught my eye. Because mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, they run hares over there with those site dogs. I think they call them lurchers, too. Yeah. The, their cross-bred greyhounds, I think, are collies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gets in rabbit holes, and holes. That's a good watch. Yeah, their dogs are a little, tend to be a little smaller than, right. than what you would need. <laughs> I think they're, I, I don't know this, this is just my guess, but they seem smarter than the type of sight hounds that I would be running to. Like they use their head a lot, and these dogs that I'm running, I mean, they see nothing but the coyotes. That's all they see. <laughs> gotcha. Fences, ditches. That's, that's all dangerous. That must be difficult at times then. Setting your dogs up to where they don't get hurt. They do. And the little experience that I've, I've hunted with these sight dogs, I think, for five or six years now. Probably six. You know, with time, you learn what works and what doesn't somewhat. But I've, I've definitely seen situations that can cause those exact problems I was just saying and you know you try to avoid them as yeah. time goes on and when I you know when I first started hunting them you know if I saw a coyote a half mile away and I thought they'd seen me I'd send them <laughs> you know I'm thinking well we ain't gonna catch him if they're in the truck you know and the and another thing is those coyotes when we first started hunting they hadn't been bothered too much in in our exact area yeah for, for quite a while there were some old time hound guys that would run them at night but i don't think they caught very many uh the trail hound guys you know you're gonna have a, a pretty decent pack of trail hounds that's gonna catch a coyote yeah like actually making one stop and bay up you gotta put some pretty good heat on them because those coyotes can run all day or, you know oh, they yeah. can run a, a lot they can put put in the miles, and so it, it takes a good a good pack of trout to catch one. But mm-hmm. anyway, the definitely when we first started, those coyotes weren't used to a lot of that, and just because they hadn't been they hadn't been bothered by hunters for a long time, we were kind of a just I don't know they just, they hadn't seen any hunters, and they weren't I don't want to use the word they weren't not smart but they just weren't educated to uh you guys exactly and boy them first two years we was putting it on them i mean if we if we struck a coyote and then dogs were barking you were going to see that coyote cross the road in front of your truck well you know doing that for two or three years there was a few that get away of it so you don't catch them on yeah that's, that stuff catches up with you, and then ones that got away, boy, they, <laughs> they figure that game out. And nowadays, the, a lot of those coyotes, they'll run to a road, and then they'll just turn around on them. A lot gotcha. of them have figured, a lot of them have figured out if those hounds aren't too close, that they can, they can just 180, mm-hmm. go back the way they come, and just probably run right by the dogs, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then they, They've learned that them trucks are dangerous. Yeah. But it's all, you know, it's just part of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's hunting, not killing. It, 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 right, exactly. It, 
we still had a lot of fun and we still catch kayaks, but we have to work a little harder nowadays than when we first started. There you go. Hey, this is only going to make you and your dogs better. I agree. You got to give me a good hunting story. When we hunt the big grass pastures, uh, we drive about an hour to the east. There's a ranch that lets us hunt over there. And in my opinion, when you get a, a snow, that's the best part of it. Because uh, you can see a long ways and then kayaks stick out like a thumb. But I remember when, when I had first started going with my grandpa, he took me with a, a gentleman he knew that hunted these kayaks this way. Um, we was in his truck, you know. We all drive these old beat-up junk trucks. They're, <laughs> they're rough, and they're they're not, you know, they just don't. They don't give you a pleasurable ride. <laughs> well, we was bouncing all over this this pasture in the snow, and I was having the time of my life. And I I remember we they got a coyote jumped up. Well, that snow had had drifted across a ditch. And then pastures have a bunch of ditches out there that'll swallow a truck. We got hooked up after this guy. We was going pretty good clip. And uh, this guy, he knew every ditch in this pasture, but that, like I said, that snow had drifted across it. Uh-huh. Man, we slammed into that ditch, bent a rim, slammed our heads in the top of that cab, and uh, dumped the dogs out. It was a hard enough hit that it tripped the doors on that dump off. <laughs> dumped the dogs out and they went and caught that coyote i'll never forget that <laughs> at least they it was did. worth it yeah yeah and i remember i was probably 14 or 15 and, and that was probably 10 o'clock in the morning and i thought well there's our day we're done you know i kind of i had a blast but i thought uh we're we don't get to go anymore because you bent that rim and now this old boy, he, he pulls out all these tools, just went to beating on this rim, and he had this tire back on there. And I said, oh, we're, I mean, we're not done hunting. And he said, oh, we're going, we're going until the sun goes down, bud. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, that was kind of one of my first experiences with it. And it, it was a funny day. Story I'll like... never forget. Slamming our heads in the top <laughs> of the cab. Sounds like a blast. That's for sure. And like I said, your artwork is incredible, and I just enjoy every time I see something you post, and I'm just like, I, I wish I had half of that talent. I appreciate it. I uh, I didn't mention, there was one drawing that I did, I don't know if you ever saw the the lion that mm-hmm. Hunter Halsey, did yep. you see that one? Yep. Okay. That one, I was proud of that one. Um, same story, I contacted those people, but uh, it turned out pretty nice, and, and it was so. Those are the only two hound-related drawings that I've done. But I mean, like like I said, I'd love to do more of them. I just I haven't had a lot of contact about it, and yeah. I'm sure it's because of visibility. You know, the right mm-hmm. people have to have to have to find you. So well, let's but maybe help any, that along. Plug your Instagram yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, the Instagram is Hauser H O U. S E R Steel and Silver. Everybody and out there a, go follow Luke because his artwork's incredible. I've said it a billion times already, but it really is. I appreciate it and we 
I'd love to do more of it for anybody that, that's got a good picture of their hound or, or, you know, I'm open to any style of hunting dog, really. Yeah. But especially hound dogs, I'd love it. Uh, just message me and uh, we'll see what we can do. There you go. Well, hopefully we can get drum up a little more business for you and you can start doing your art of various forms full time. I'd love it. Cause I'd I know, love to do that. I'm sure I figured that would be your, your long-term goal. Of course. Yeah. Anybody who could work for their self would be, yep. you know, that'd be, that'd be so great. So yeah, if anybody, I mean, if they think I can do anything, a, a hound buckle, a, a bird dog buckle, a, a hound drawing, a bird dog drawing, um, you name it, just shoot it to me. We'll see what we can figure out. I I already know that there's definitely going to be a buckle in my future coming from you. Like I said, I really liked the the couple buckles I saw that you made. So we're good, we're good. We're definitely gonna make it happen. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>